Welcome to London Riverside Church Podcast. We hope you've had a great day. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Yes, church life was uh, looking a little bit different today. Fantastic. You all good with that? Yeah, yeah. You know, some, are, some are sitting back and said, well, we'll wait till next week. We'll see. No, fantastic. Good to get to gather together this morning. And for those of you online who will be uh, listening later on today, so good that you've joined with us as we uh, look into God's Word together. And uh, we continue in our series, Best Life Now. Best Life Now. Uh, I uh, need to let you know something that happened quite some time ago. I'm not going to tell you how long ago because I worked it out last night and I thought, oh, that's way too long to say. Uh, but when we moved from the UK to Austria, when we went to work and serve uh, in Austria many years ago, our children were really small. And none of us could speak German, but in Austria they speak German. So we had to learn the language. And uh, we were most concerned as parents that the kids would be okay. We shouldn't have been concerned for the kids. We should have been concerned for ourselves, uh, learning a language which is a little bit difficult, in my opinion, uh, particularly that one. And so we were busy straight away trying to learn German. And we had some advice from a very good language teacher. And she said to us, whatever you do, whatever you do, because she could tell we were pretty keen that our kids would be okay. She said, whatever you do, do not speak German to your children. Now, you see, as a parent, that is in the opposite direction to how you function. Because as a parent, what do you do? You're teaching your kids to talk, right? You're, you're, you're teaching them to say please and thank you. You're teaching them all the basic things that they need in life. And so to tell, your, tell the parents not to teach the kids, to tell the, kids, to tell the parents not to be an example to the children, to tell the parents not to do what comes automatically was kind of strange. I said, well, why on earth can we not speak German to the kids? And she said this, they will copy your mistakes and they won't know they're doing it. Ah, wise words from a language teacher. Wise words. Because the thing is, we don't know the mistakes we're making. The kids don't pick up, the, don't realize the mistakes they're copying. They end up in school and everybody's like, what's, the, what's with these two? Because they're, they're not speaking the language properly. So, fast forward 20 odd years and uh, we get the kids to correct our German because they're really good at it and we're still learning. Uh, but, you know, it's so it's strange how we sometimes, it's very, automatically we want to be an example and show uh, those around us how it's done. So when someone tells you not to, it's kind of, it's kind of difficult. Now, we're talking about best life now, and uh, the first week we talked about living a, a distinctive life, loving right, choosing right, uh, living right. And so this was a, a, if you want to catch up on any of these messages, we're walking through the book of Philippians, and so they're all online, uh, they're on our podcast as well. Last week, Abby was sharing about living a purposeful life. We looked at that verse in 1 Corinthians, uh, 1, 1 Corinthians Philippians 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 21, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Fantastic message. Do catch up with that if you missed last week. Now, I want to just stay in chapter 1 and jump across the 3 and into chapter 2 uh, today. And in, ver- in chapter 1 and verse 27, Paul says these words to the church in Philippi. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Whatever happens, 
conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Now, the church was experiencing some, some troubles and some challenges in the same way that Paul had experienced different troubles and challenges as he shared the gospel, as he shared uh, the good news. And as he did so, he sometimes got into trouble. Sometimes he got run out of town. Sometimes he was close to death. At the time he was writing this letter, he was under house arrest. And so he was effectively imprisoned in his own house. In, in, and, and he was writing these letters. And so he's saying to them, whatever happens, happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. You see, the gospel, that word literally means the good news. So, the good news, conduct, our conduct also needs to be good news. Our conduct also needs to be good news. You see, as Christians, we're used to having the message of good news. The fact that Jesus went to the cross and died for our sins. We celebrated that this morning. The fact that he's risen and he's alive and we have new life in him. We love that message and the message is true. But actually, that's not the only good news. According to this scripture, our conduct is also or should be also good news. You see, we're the Bible that your neighbors are not reading. You are the Bible that your neighbors are not reading. You are the Bible that your family has stopped reading. You are the Bible that your uh, friends at work have never, ever tried to start reading. Our conduct needs to be good news. Our con oh, it's all gone very quiet in here. Ooh, he's, going, he's going straight in there. There's no warm-up, really. He's just straight in there. Our conduct needs to be good news because we have a message of good news, but it's, it, it, it doesn't work if the conduct doesn't match the message. You see, the best way to silence our criticism is our conduct. Think about some of the Christian, inverted commas, messages that go out there against people. You know, the best way to silence criticism is our conduct. And so Paul says these words in chapter 3 of Philippians, chapter 3, verse 17. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, just as you have us as a model Keep your eyes on those who live as we do. So today I want to talk about an influential life. A life where we are following the example and being the example. An influential life. Join those, that, you know, you realize that people that join our church, the people that come along, if they begin to follow Jesus, if they join in the church family that we are, they will follow like you do. People that sit down next to me will follow Jesus the way that I'm following Jesus. People that sit down next to me will worship God the way that I worship God. Shall I go further? The way that we live our conduct is the way that others will copy. That's why the Bible is so clear. Time and time again, you'll find it throughout the New Testament. Be an example. Because we have a very influential life. Those who are young in faith, you, those of you that are parents, you'll realize that children copy you more than obey you. Shall I say that again? Your kids will copy you more than they'll obey you. Those who are young in faith, it's not, it, it, there's a whole lot to learn, right? But actually, they'll copy quicker than they'll learn what we're trying to teach. We copy. That's how we live it. We copy your life more than they'll obey your words. And so Philippians 3, Paul goes on and says these words, verse 18. For as I've often uh, told you before and now tell you again, even with tears... Many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is their destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship 
is in heaven. Now that word citizenship there is very is an important clue for us to understand what Paul is trying to convey. Because in the in the Roman Empire at that time, there would be Roman colonies throughout the empire. There would be settlements, there would be towns that were established where uh, even the soldiers would retire and they would have full citizenship and they would make it their home. And if you went to one of these colonies or if you went to one of these towns, then they dressed like Romans, they ate like Romans, they did life like Romans. They were citizens of Rome, but they were a long way from home. We are citizens of heaven even when we are in surroundings that don't appear to be so. Are you with me? Citizens of heaven. And Paul is saying, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. Take my example. Follow my example. Be like, follow the example of others that behave like we do because actually he's brought to tears when it doesn't work right. It says here that it brings him to tears that sometimes people are giving the name of Christ the wrong name, the wrong impression. He says, remember, you are citizens of heaven. You're like that colony that's a long way from home, but this is how we do life as a citizen of heaven. You see, our identity, our citizenship shapes our lifestyle. Our identity shapes our lifestyle. It comes automatically. So there's such a danger, and I preached to myself this morning, that we just talk the walk but don't walk the talk. Is that right? We just talk the walk. Words are so cheap. Words are so easy. We talk the walk, but do we walk the talk? So often you get the impression, it's do as I say, not what I do. Listen, it doesn't work. The challenge is here in Scripture. I've gone straight in there today because I didn't want to watch, as we're walking through the book of Philippians, I didn't want to just pick out the juicy bits that make us smile. I wanted to pick out the bits here where Paul is saying, come on, this is where it's at. This is where it's at, friends. This is how it works. We're citizens of the heaven. We're citizens of another kingdom. And so we don't just talk the walk, but we walk it as well. We are all being an example. The question this morning is not, will you be a good example? Will you be an example? We are all examples. We're either a good or a bad one. But we're all influencing somebody. You say, oh, I'm not an influencer. Let's not go there. That's my pet subject. But you're all influencing someone. We're all influencing somebody. The question is, is it for good or for not so good? Which way are we pointing? We need to be intentional in our following of the example and being that example to others. And so Paul opens this up. We're going to chapter 2. In chapter 2, verse 5, we read these words. In your relationships with one another, because that's where it happens, right? We're all good when we're on our own, aren't we? Just you, me, Jesus. Just me, Jesus. No, not you. Just me and Jesus. That keeps it easy. Paul says, in your relationships with one another, have the same attitude, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. You see, to live our best life now, to have an influential life, we have an example in our attitude. Attitude is so important. Jesus is our ultimate example. In, in Philippians chapter 2, just let me give you a little bit of Bible uh, insight here. In chapter 2, it's called the Christ hymn. And we have in verses 6 through, uh, t- uh, through to 11, I think, we have what's called the Christ hymn, which encapsulates the mission of Jesus. From coming to earth to being re- resurrected to being ruling over all. 
And so in verse uh, 5, Paul says, had the same attitude that was in Christ Jesus. Verse 6, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Another translation of verse 6 puts it like this, that Jesus did not see his divinity as something to be grasped, as something to be held onto. He was the Word in the beginning. He is uh, God. And yet it wasn't something that he had to say, these are my rights, I need this, and I need to be spoken to like this, I need to have this. If I'm going down there, it's going to be like this. He says he gave up those rights. He didn't grasp hold of them. Unlike Adam, the first of our kind, who took the fruit and said, okay, I can be like God, I'll eat some of that. I'd like to get on the same level. And Jesus had that, but he didn't hold on to it. It says here that he came. You see, Jesus gave up his rights for the sake of the world. Jesus gave his, uh, this is the attitude that Paul is saying, have that same attitude that Jesus had. That he would, although he's fully God, come amongst us and live as a man. And function as a man and rely on Father God and rely on the Holy Spirit to empower him and, and live that life. Even though everything, all those resources were available and yet there was nothing that he would grasp and hold on to and have his rights. But let it go. Verse 8, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, being obedient to death, even, even death on a cross. And that's why in the two verses beforehand, Paul says these words. Verse 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceits. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Wow, the Word of God's pretty straightforward this morning, right? Value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Because we need that attitude that Jesus had. We can have that same attitude, the same mindset the same outlook. You see, notice here that humility is so key. Humility is so key. We think, think, often think of humility as being not happy with ourselves. Yeah? Like bit lacking some confidence. Oh, I'm just, it's just little old me and I can't do much. That's not humble, friends. You know, Jesus said, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, he said, I am humble of heart. That's not normally what a humble person says, Right? Normally, if you're humble, you don't tell people you're humble because we've got the wrong idea of being humble. Jesus said, I'm humble. <laughs> he proved it. But he said, I'm humble of heart. You see, sometimes we think that humility is about depreciating ourselves. But listen, humility is not depreciating ourselves. It's appreciating others first. It's not putting ourselves down, but lifting others up. That's humility. It's being to, walking into a room, meeting with people, and recognizing it's not about putting myself forward here, but it's about lifting someone else up. Wow. That's good. You know when you've been around those sort of people, don't you? Because you're kind of like, yes, come on, I can do life. You see, that's humility. Humility is not I'll stay in the corner and stay out the way because I've got nothing to offer. I'm glad Jesus didn't do that. I'm glad that's not what the humility means. Humility is not putting yourself down, but it's lifting others up. It's putting the interests of others before your own. It's valuing others above ourselves. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that the attitude that Christ is working in our lives? And sometimes we have that false humility, you know? When someone says, oh, you sung well today. Oh, it wasn't me, it was Jesus. No, I'm pretty sure that was you. 
I'm pretty sure I've, I'm pretty sure that wasn't Jesus singing. That was definitely you. Oh, pastor, that was a good word. Oh, it wasn't me. It was all the Lord. No, it was definitely you speaking. I heard you. You know, we've got this weird christian It's rubbish, friends. It's not in the Bible. Sorry, not sorry if I've offended you today, but it's not in the Bible. You see, if you did it, say thank you and give praise to God. Yeah, that's what we do with praise, right? We say, okay, that's good to know, and we give thanks to Jesus. That's what we, you know what we do with criticism? This is another story, but let me tell you. When you get criticism, you say, okay, is there anything in that? No, I did it for you, Jesus. Thank you. Praise, criticism. Jesus helps us with both. But listen, let's not put ourselves down. That's not humility, friends. Jesus was humble, and he's teaching us. I wonder how you're getting on with that. How are you getting on, how you getting on with this attitude of humility? When someone else get, gets promoted, the promotion you've been waiting for. I'll say ouch for you. When someone else gets asked to lead something, you're thinking, I could have done that. You know, some of us, even the quiet ones, are still thinking it. I could have done that. I didn't get asked. I can remember years ago, when I was, first became a Christian, I was at a secondary school, and quite a few of my friends started to come to church. Quite a few of my friends were coming to faith. And I remember we said to our, our pastor, hey, why don't we have a Christian group that meets in the school? And he said, oh, what an awesome idea. What a great idea, Gowan. And a friend of mine who was a bit more talkative than I was, and we said, hey, Leah, that'll be, uh, can you help us know how to do that? And then I remember he said, okay. We went and he said, okay, I've got it, I've got it organized with you. I've spoken with the school. And, uh, and this, I won't say the names, but this person, this person, they're going to lead it. And I can remember thinking... Whose idea was it again? I might as well be honest. It helps if we're honest, doesn't it? I can remember thinking to myself, wait a minute. This was my passion. This was my desire. This was what I, I was the one that, and you begin to think all those thoughts that are in the opposite direction to humility, right? You begin to think, hold on a minute. I've been done an injustice here. You don't even need the devil to whisper that to you. You can do it yourself, friends. Don't blame him. You got, we've got it all in ourselves, that kind of stuff. And you know, it's a lesson to humble ourselves. It's a lesson to say, I'm going to rejoice that it's going to happen anyway. I'm going to get excited and go along and give it my full support because it's happening anyway. You with me? How are we getting on with that attitude? The same attitude that was in Christ Jesus. Do you always have to be right? Do you always have to be right? Do you always have to be right? <laughs> if you look in those scriptures, take time this week looking at Philippians chapter 2. Paul says, I want you to be of the same mind. Say, so, yeah, right, that sounds wonderful. Let's sing it. And then you think, hold on a minute. That's impossible. You know how many opinions you get in a room as soon as there's two people in there? Add another three or four. And then they keep changing their minds anyway. Be of the same mind. How's that possible? Because Jesus is at the center. We want that attitude of Jesus that prefers one another. We want the attitude of Jesus that says, I'm, interested in, I'm more interested in your interest than I am my own. Lord, the Holy Spirit's with us to help us in that. You know, Jesus, in Matthew, uh, sorry, Mark chapter 10, where, where Jesus is with his disciples, and he's told them for the third time, you, uh, I'm going to Jerusalem, I'm going to suffer at the hands of and go to the cross, and the third day I'll rise again. And they'd heard this over and over again. And so he's talking about the fact that the Messiah, the chosen one of God, is actually going to go to the cross and die a sinner's death. And you know the next thing we read? James and John, they've got a question for Jesus. 
They've got a question. You know what the question was? Jesus, you know when you've got this kingdom happening? It's my paraphrase. You know when you've set up your kingdom and you're ruling and you've dealt with the Romans and you've, you, you've got everything happening? What about, would you do anything we ask? Now that in itself is a weird question, a bit like some of our prayers. Would you do anything that we ask of you? And, and, and Jesus says, well, what is it you want? And James and John say, well, it would be really good if when you're sitting in your kingdom, if one of us could sit on your right and one of us on your left. In other words, it would be really good if we could have a position of power and influence and authority and people nodding and bowing and thanking us when you come into your kingdom. Now, Jesus says, you don't know what you're asking for. And he was quite right. You have no idea. You, don't, you can't be baptized with the same baptism I have. You can't go, in other words, you can't go through the things that I'm going to go through. And they say, we can, we can, we've got this. If you're in charge, let us sit each side of you. And then what happens? The, the other ten find out what these two have been trying to organize. Right? Does this sound like work? These two on the side have been trying to fix themselves up with a better promotion. And the other ten are like, whoa, hold on, hold on. And Jesus says, listen, the way that those, the, 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 those in charge, the rulers, the authorities, they lord it over people. They, they think that their position of power is to lord it over the others and point this one and tell that one what to do. And then he says these words, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great, among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be a slave of all. Verse 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. The Son of Man, the one spoken of in the Old Testament, the chosen one, the king who would establish his empire, his kingdom, when he comes, he's not going to be served, but he will serve. The same attitude as Christ Jesus. That's what God is working in us. That's what the Holy Spirit is up to. He's working that same attitude in our experience. You see, it's our attitude and not our ability which will establish the example that we are. It's all about our attitude. That will establish the example that we are being to others. And so, uh, let me just quickly uh, touch on one other thing here as we stay in chapter 2. You see, there's an example in attitude, but there's also an example in serving. An example in serving. In Philippians 2 verse 19, it says, that, uh, sorry, verse 20, he, Paul is talking about the fact that he wants to send Timothy to them. He says, I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare, for everyone looks for their own interests, but not those of Jesus Christ. He talks about Timothy as an example of one who has a genuine concern. This was an example he was given. You see, when, when Paul is talking about Timothy coming to visit them, he's not talking about uh, someone who is going to, uh, how should we say, he's an anointed preacher. He's not saying, oh, when Timothy comes, he's going to preach up a storm. When Timothy comes, he's going to be a great teacher. You're going to be amazed by the words that he shares. He says, no, when Timothy comes, he has genuine concern. You see, this is living out what he's just said at the beginning of chapter 2, that attitude is now being lived out in his serving. But you know, Timothy's proved himself because as a son with his father, he served with me in the work of the gospel. Paul was absolutely confident that if Timothy went to, him, to them, he would be able to do exactly that as if Paul was there because he'd learned like a father and son. He'd learned how this works. Verse 25. 
He says, but I think it's also necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus. That's a good name. Let's call him D for short. And uh, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier. You see, here's another person that Paul is sending as an example to them. This was a messenger from Philippi who'd come to help Paul. He'd come to bring them a, a financial gift. He'd come to encourage Paul and do whatever the church wanted to do to help Paul. They sent D to them. But as he came there, he was also incredibly ill. He almost died. Paul says it almost brought me, I almost had more sorrow upon sorrow because he almost died. But he survived and he's coming back to you. Verse 29. So then, welcome him in the Lord with great joy. Honor people like him because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help yourselves could not give me. You see, Timothy had a great concern, but this man had great courage. This was an outworking of that attitude of Christ in his life, that he was a whatever-it-takes kind of person. He had a courage to do what needed to be done. He didn't have to. He got to, you could say. It wasn't so he was arms twisted, I better go and help Paul. But it was like, no, whatever it takes, I'll make this happen. An example in serving. You see, these two examples are of the attitude of Christ being lived out. Now, let me give you something very practical as a close today. I want to give you something very practical from the teaching here in Philippians chapter 2 and 3. And that is that we obviously have an example in our attitude. We have an example in serving. But also we need an example compass. If we're going to have an influential life, we need to check our compass, our example compass. What do I mean? Well, there are those who are north of us. There are those who are south of us. There are those who are east and west of us. You see, when you take that illustration of Timothy and Paul, then Timothy looked to Paul. Paul was an example to him, and he remained teachable. Can I encourage you, if you're in this room and you've been following Jesus for a little while, can you remain teachable? Can you still take the example from others that have gone before you? Can you still learn from others? You know, sometimes people say, well, you know, I've got 30 years experience. I've got 40 years experience. You know, I'm not so sure 30 years experience equals 30 years of wisdom. You know what 30 years of experience sometimes is? It's actually 10 times 3 years. Because we've been going around in circles for a while. Work it out. Sometimes if we're not actually growing, we're not following the example, we're just sticking with the routine we know. And the challenge to you today is, hey, what about going forward? If you're going to go forward, you're going to have to take the example from someone. You're going to have to find some, recognize that there are those that can give into your life, like Paul gave to Timothy. There are those who are south of us. Timothy himself, who was, Paul was his north, but at the same time, Timothy was encouraged to be an example to others. If you read in the Scriptures, that Timothy, as he established and ran a church for himself, that he had to be an example to others. In the same way that Paul was an example to him, now those south of him, he was being an example to them. Who, is, who are you being an example to? And like I said, you're going to be an example anyway. You need to decide what kind of example you are. An influential life. And then if, I want to encourage you to invite people to do life with you. I want to encourage you, if you lead a group or a team, I want to encourage you to be the person that is looking for someone to take over your job. That's how it works in church, friends. We don't keep jobs, we create them. We don't keep jobs, we create them. If you're leading anything, officially or unofficially, whatever you're leading, look for who can do your job. Look for who is learning from you so that you can be that example to them. And of course, east and west of us, there are those that we encourage. We don't want to be discouraged 
we want to be encouraged, don't we? We want to encourage those around us, those alongside us. You know, you could say, well, does the church organize that for us? Listen, we don't need to organize that, but God is so on this, he's got it in your life already. I want to say that again. Does the church need to organize my example compass? Well, we'll help you if you need it, but let me tell you, God is so on this. This is so important to your progress that he's already got people in your life. You've got to open your eyes and say, Lord Jesus, who are those people that I can learn from? Who are those people that are taking my example? Who are those people alongside me that we can encourage each other on this journey, that we can learn together? They're already in your world, friends. They're already there if we'll open our eyes and realize this is what God's up to. You say, well, I need some more teaching. I need some deeper Bible knowledge. Hey, let's lift the stuff we've heard already, shall we? I love a bit of deeper Bible teaching. I teach at the Bible college. I, lo I love that stuff. I can spend hours in my books. But the most important thing is that we get to live this. That attitude of Christ. The attitude of Christ. That example in serving. And where it brings us to. Paul said, join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. Just as you have us as a model. Keep your eyes on those who live as we do. Let's pray for a moment, shall we? Should we stand? Let's stand together. You've been listening well. But let's allow the Word of God to really sink, drop into our hearts today. We can take it with us. Father, we thank you for your Word. We thank you for what Christ accomplished on that cross. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you didn't hold on to that which was your right. But you gave up, gave it up, lived amongst us, died a sinner's death in our place. We thank you that you are indeed risen. Your name is above every name. As this scripture tells us, that at your name, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that you are Lord. And you are our Lord today. So we invite you, Lord Jesus. We invite you, Lord Jesus. You've called us to live an influential life. Lord God, you've called us to be an example. And so we trust now by your grace and by the help of your spirit that we will do this in your precious name we ask. Amen. Amen. That's all from us here on our London Riverside Church podcast. If there's anything you would like some more clarification on, you would like to take those next steps in your journey, then why not head over to our next steps page, londonriversidechurch.com forward slash next steps. We hope you have a fantastic week and stay blessed.